welcome to Whatever is Lovely, True, and Awesome. I'm your host, Samantha Grace. This is the podcast where I share uplifting stories from the news, profile migraine sufferers in the public eye, and um, also share with you inspiring song lyrics. So it's for those of us who have chronic pain or anyone who wants to hear positive stories. So I'm just going to let the subjects of today's lovely, true, awesome just be a mystery so you can find it out as you listen to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. A woman in Lisbon has started her very own giving tree. I found the story on goodnewsnetwork.org in an article written by McKinley Corbley. Uh, Many of you may remember the popular children's book, The Giving Tree, written by Shel Silverstein. I always found it to be a little bit sad. Um, Here's a synopsis if you've never read the book. The story starts out with a boy and his best friend who just happens to be a tree. Every day, the boy climbs the tree, eats the tree's apples, and sleeps in the tree's shade. And both the boy and the tree are happy with this arrangement. But as the boy ages, his needs change. Each time the boy visits, the tree gives him everything she can, including all her branches and her trunk. Reduced to a stump, the tree doesn't think she has anything left to give when the boy returns once again, this time as an old man. But it turns out a stump is just what the old man needs to sit down and get a little rest. So he does, and the tree is happy. So it's a little melancholic, Um, but Deb Siggins' Giving Tree is much happier. So Deb Siggins is a 55-year-old doctor's office employee. She began making cloth masks for healthcare workers after her hospital was experiencing shortages during the coronavirus outbreaks, and she has made more than 400 masks, which if you don't sew, let me tell you, making masks is very time-consuming. Um, I started making masks a few weeks ago and I've probably only made about 60 and the first one I made took me over two hours to make because my machine kept messing up and I'm very slow. Also, I have children and I have to help them with their schoolwork and I can't sew while they're sleeping. So my hours are limited, but I just wanted to put some context into the story so we can appreciate how much effort and time and attention she has given to making these masks. I mean, 400 masks. (laughs) And she had the great idea to hang her masks on a local tree so community members could take the masks when passing by. And she made a Facebook post about her giving tree, and it's just taken off from there. She says, It was really cool to see people driving up, grabbing a mask, and leaving. It's been a hit. She told Good Morning America, I'm a giver, not a taker, so I feel really good. She replenishes the tree every day, adding a new batch of 30 masks, and Siggins is dedicated to continuing to make masks until the pandemic is resolved. So that's an amazing story about somebody doing what they can do to help the community during this hard time. Today, I'm profiling NBA basketball star Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 
According to Wikipedia, he played for the Milwaukee Bucks and the Los Angeles Lakers. During his career as a center, Abdul-Jabbar was a record six-time NBA Most Valuable Player, a record 19-time NBA All-Star, a 15-time All-NBA Selection, and an 11-time NBA All-Defensive Team member. And all of those words mean almost nothing to me because I'm not a big basketball person. But I can conclude he was a very accomplished and skilled player. He also had a long history with migraines, and there are actually articles dating back to the 80s about his health struggle. So I'm going to give you all a timeline of his health progress. So March 16th, 1984, UPI.com reports that 37-year-old Kareem was hopeful that a chiropractor had resolved his migraine issues. They straightened out two vertebrae in his neck, allowing blood to flow properly. We can't be sure they won't come back, but I'm very optimistic, Kareem told the Santa Monica Evening Outlook. And after visiting the chiropractor, he went from scoring 18 points a game to averaging 23 points a game. I haven't had to be concerned about headaches, he said. I'm worry-free, and that certainly has been a big help. Then, the Los Angeles Times, in an article written by Thomas Bonk on May 10, 1985, they inform us that his relief after visiting the chiropractor was short-lived because he was slammed with six migraine days during the nine days of the 1984 championship series against Boston. Sometimes they're not real bad, but last spring they were the worst I've ever had, uh, Abdul-Jabbar is quoted as saying. So after the 1984 championship, the migraines led up and they concluded that stress seems to be one of the main triggers for him. And in the article, they hilariously relate a migraine to a toothache of the head, which I thought was a really funny term that I had never heard before. Uh, but Kareem says, what makes it so difficult is that people think you are just having a regular headache. You just can't explain them to someone who doesn't have them. And he continued to play in the championship games. He would miss the events before and after, but he played the games through the migraines. And they also mentioned he had been undergoing acupuncture for three seasons. Acupuncturist E. David Bressler who wrote a book called Free Yourself from Pain, developed a treatment plan based on a diagnosis of mild allergy, muscle tension, and trauma. So Bressler goes on to say that Kareem's stress response system is trying to protect him against stress producers, and then it gets overwhelmed and these migraine headaches develop. And Bressler's theory is that they're actually mixed headaches. So I think it's interesting to look back, you know, at 1985, now that we're in 2019, and see that, you know, in the last 30 years, people are still struggling with what to call migraines. Uh, is it 
you know, sinus? Is it tension? Is it cluster? Is it a combination of everything? You know, from book to book that you read, you see different theories. Everybody's still trying to figure it out. So I wonder, in another 30 years, what what is the consensus going to be? Um, but I do appreciate that in 1985, this acupuncturist, who was not a neurologist, uh, was taking a holistic approach to treating Abdul-Jabbar's migraines. And Brelser goes on to describe the stress creating tension in Jabbar, in Abdul-Jabbar's neck muscles, which affect the rest of the body. And quote, these muscles go into spasms and mechanically push against blood vessels that nourish the adjacent muscles. So the spasms spread throughout the neck and shoulder area. When it gets down into the deep muscles in the neck, it can actually compromise circulation to the brain. So when the blood circulation is influenced, the brain thinks it's an emergency, so it releases some chemicals, including histamine, which cause the blood vessels to open. Unfortunately, it doesn't do anything because the blood supply is being compromised down in the neck by muscle tension. And as more histamine is released, the migraine victim ends up with a pounding migraine-type headache because of constriction of the blood vessels. And Brussler said migraines are often difficult to diagnose because sometimes people can eat certain foods which they may be allergic to and get away with it because they are not under stress. And other times they are convinced that this particular food leads to headaches or the Santa Ana wind comes in and blows a couple tons of ragweed pollen into the LA basin and they get headaches. So it's a cumulative effect of a lot of different factors. So he tells Abdul-Jabbar to stop eating the MSG-laden Chinese food. He treats him with acupuncture. He has him keep a take of oxygen at his house. And he coaches him on how to alleviate stress. So we showed him how to relax those muscles in his neck and how to exert a really powerful degree of self-control over his body. He was actually quite excellent at it. So Bressler is pleased that Abdul-Jabbar has not had a lot of attacks in 1985, but says this, they can recur, but to me, it's very much like diabetes. We can't cure diabetes, but we can treat it to the point where people can lead basically normal lives. So all of this happened in 1985. So 13 years later, the SanFranciscoGate.com says that Abdul-Jabbar is in the news because he surrendered marijuana to U.S. Customs officials at a Canadian airport. He had to pay a $500 fine and was not charged for the offense. He says, I use the marijuana to control the nausea, which comes with the headaches. So who knows how many headaches he was having at this point. Um, they may have been infrequent, but it's still is unfortunate that he gets, you know, arrested for what he claims was medicine to help him. So July 19th, 2000, the BBC uh, reports that Kareem was arrested on suspicion of driving under the influence and given a misdemeanor charge because an officer smelled marijuana fumes from his car. I don't really understand how smelling marijuana fumes can cause you to be arrested. I guess they're alleging that he threw the 
threw the marijuana from the car and that he was smoking it in the car or that he came from smoking it. That just seems kind of, you know, you can't really do a, a field sobriety test on marijuana because you can't do a breathalyzer. So um, that's pretty bold of that officer. He must have been, um, I wonder if he was, you know, very out of it or, or if they just trumped it up um, to make an example of him. So after that, there's not any recent information about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's health. He hasn't been talking about migraines, so I would hope he has continued to have relief from his condition. Uh, he started dealing with migraines when he was just 14 years old, but he was still able to have success on the court. Uh, back in 1984, he surpassed NBA player Wilt Chamberlain, for first on the all-time scoring list. So that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and the timeline of his migraine experience according to public records. You know the bed feels warmer, sleeping here alone. You know I dream in color and do the things I want. You think you got the best of me? Think you had the last laugh? But you think that everything good is gone. Think you left me broken down. Think that I'd come running back. Baby, you don't know me, cause you're dead wrong. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller. Doesn't mean I'm lonely when I'm alone. What doesn't kill you makes a fighter. Footsteps even lighter. Doesn't mean I'm over cause you're gone. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, stronger. Just me, myself, and I. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller. Doesn't mean I'm lonely when I'm alone. You heard that I was starting over with someone new. They told you I was moving on over you. You didn't think that I'd come back. I'd come back swinging. You try to break me, but you see what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller. Doesn't mean I'm lonely when I'm alone. What doesn't kill you makes a fighter. Footsteps even lighter doesn't mean I'm over cause you're gone. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, stronger. Just me, myself, and I. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller. Doesn't mean I'm lonely when I'm alone. Thanks to you, I got a new thing started. Thanks to you, I'm not the broken hearted. Thanks to you, I'm finally thinking about me. You know, in the end, the day you left was just my beginning. In the end, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller. Doesn't mean I'm lonely when I'm alone. What doesn't kill you makes a fighter. Footsteps even lighter. Doesn't mean I'm over cause you're gone. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, stronger. Just me, myself, and I. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller. Doesn't mean I'm lonely when I'm alone. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger, stronger. Just me, myself, and I. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand a little taller. Doesn't mean I'm lonely when I'm alone. When I'm alone. Mm -hmm.